Hello and welcome to the Swift Coders Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick, and today I'm excited to be joined by three fellow podcast hosts, and I'm honored to have them introduce themselves. What's up, y'all? I'm Zach from Fireside Swift. I'm Steven from the Learn Swift Podcast. And I'm Iman from the Swiftcraft Podcast. Yeah, what up? Oh, what it, feels, is- it feels great to be here with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, Garrick, uh, when I first started listening to podcasts, I was like, one day I'm going to be on Swift Coders and here I am. I've made it. I can quit now. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had the exact same thought. So we're going to be down two podcasts <laughs> because, you know, if I stop, there's no way Berard's going to keep going. Absolutely not. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Come on, E-Man. You have to have something to say. I'm going to team up with Berard and we'll do our own thing. <laughs> and like California Mexican, Mexican food will win in the end. <laughs> that's only because you're in an echo chamber. Everybody, everybody knows that's false. Oh my gosh. So what is going on right now, right? Everyone's wondering what is going on. So we have a very special episode uh, today. Uh, it is the WWDC 2018 uh, podcast extravaganza with uh, hosts of the Swift Coders network of podcasts. We're missing one host. It's very sad. There's a little trumpet and a violin playing for Stephen Berard of uh, Fireside Swift. Um, but, you know, he's here in spirit. I think that Zach is going to be extra funny and witty uh, t- uh, today for us. For sure. I-, I can handle that. And we at least have one Stephen on the show. Right. Yeah. So that's covered. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. It's all, it's all good. So why are we doing this? Um, you know, we have all these podcasts out there. Um, and you know, through, you know, over the kind of the years we've helped other people start podcasts. So, uh, there was, uh, the Swift coders podcast, then there was fireside Swift and there was learn Swift, uh, podcast, then, uh, Swift craft. And, uh, we're all just, um, people out here in the world helping each other, um, you know, push our lives forward, forward and achieve our goals. And we're kind of doing that through our interest with uh, Swift and, uh, and iOS development programming. Um, and so we thought it would be really fun to uh, get together and uh, share our perspectives on uh, WWDC. And um, before we do that, though, I just wanted to do a quick check-in uh, with everybody and see how they're doing, um, you know, with their podcast. And with a podcast comes, you know, responsibility and, and community that you're building your own kind of community. And uh, Zach, I wanted to just kind of turn it to you first and ask you, how's Fireside Swift going? I really love the enthusiasm that I see on Twitter. It really seems like you guys are building like an awesome community on there. Um, so yeah, share share that with us. <laughs> sure, of course. Uh, Fireside Swift is going strong. Um, it's funny to say that on a week where we don't have a podcast coming out, but that's only because uh, life kind of got busy for for both of us. Um, in fact, I wasn't even sure I was going to be on this episode itself. So I'm happy to be here and representing Fireside Swift. Um, the stuff on Twitter is amazing. Being able to reach out and interact with listeners is so much fun. Um, it really helps me connect with other people. And I know Steve, uh, Fireside Steve, <laughs> feels the same way. Um, you know, talking to people really gets us excited about talking about Swift. And then we talk about Swift, which lets us talk to more people. And it's just this awesome feedback loop. So for those that uh, might not know, give us a quick um, rundown, like what could people expect if they listen to Fireside Swift? 
Um, lots of jokes. No. Uh, so basically the gist of Fireside Swift is it's myself and Steven um, talking about one Swift topic per week. Um, he has much more experience than I do. I'm still, well, I've been coding Swift for about a year and a half now, um, but I'm not a professional Swift coder. It's something that I, I like doing and hopefully will maybe sometime in the future be able to slide over to a Swift developer role, uh, but that hasn't happened yet. And so um, it's me with a beginner's perspective talking to him about a topic and you know we just kind of cover it from both ends. You definitely will achieve that soon. And I'm sure, you know, all the work that you're doing with the podcast and in the community is helping you, you know, achieve that. And it's okay that you are skipping uh, a week because, you know, now is actually the time to kind of skip a week because, you know, developers, <laughs> they're so overwhelmed with so much information that all the dub dub videos, they're probably not listening to podcasts, but uh, you never know. I just think that's kind of the time where you could kind of take a break and, and get a pass. Um, I agree. Yeah, so uh, next I want to turn to Stephen Sherry, the host of the Learn Swift podcast. Stephen, um, you and I, we worked um, kind of closely, I would say, uh, on creating this podcast. Uh, we wanted to make something kind of like Swift Coders, but make it um, more about uh, beginners, bring these beginners on um, and, and interview them and uh, see you know, why they're doing what they're doing and see how it's going, right? To make it, make other people out there in the world feel uh, that they can do it too. So tell us how the Learn Swift podcast is going. It, it's, I, I feel like it's going really well. Um, when I first started, of course, listenership was, was, was pretty low because nobody knew about it. And then, you know, incrementally, um, like after you uh, announced, listenership grew. And then uh, when I went on break, uh, everybody uh, that listens to the show would know that I had, I had a child recently. And during that break, I had a lot of increased downloads on the last episode with Mark Opont. And when I came back, I was actually very surprised at how many new subscribers I had. I had pretty much doubled my downloads. Um, and I had all sorts of people reaching out to me about, um, you know, this is really what I need. I don't have a community. And around me, people that I can talk to. And it's really nice to be able to hear about these other people and their struggles going through the same things that I'm going through, but I just don't have anybody to talk to. So it's like bringing the community to people that don't have one, which was the situation that I was in. And now I have one because I'm, I'm with all these other people that don't have one. And it's, it's pretty amazing. I didn't know you had a baby or maybe I did or I forgot, but congratulations. Wow. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you obviously don't listen to the show, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just call him out. I love it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh so you didn't, you didn't realize that the show it. had disappeared for a couple of months? I yeah, love it. I, no, no, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Oh my yeah. God, I love it. That's yeah, I had, yeah, I was on a three-month break and I was, I was, I was, um, I wasn't, I wasn't sure what the reception was going to be like coming back. And um, as I, because I, I do interview some some more experienced people as well. Um, and I kind of take it from the vantage point of like me as a less experienced person asking them stuff that a less experienced person, like a, like a junior dev, senior dev kind of conversation. So I still think that brings the same kind of value. Like if you were at a meetup and you're asking somebody, you know, employed or like, you know, that's been doing, you know, contracting or something for like eight years and you ask them about that kind of stuff. So I've kind of been bringing in that angle recently as well. Um, I had E-Man on and he talked about how he got his first job and stuff like that. So I, I, I'm trying to mix it up a little bit. Um, and that seems to also be um, 
invigorating the the downloads as well because I want I want to be able to reach as many people that would benefit this as possible. Yeah, and I love your perspective. Um, for instance, you know, not everybody is in a, a big city where they can start a meetup or attend a meetup. And so, with your podcast, you're creating an online meetup in a sense. So you're be, you're, you're able to create that community online. I think that's a great uh, a great uh, way to think about it. And uh, I mean, it's really it really is important, you know, because I actually hear that a lot. Like, you know, Garrick, I you know love that you can go to these meetups, but I can't. You know, what do you suggest? Um, so you are doing a great service. Thank you for, for doing that. And again, congratulations. That's so, uh, you know, on being a father. That's amazing. Thank you. All right, Iman. So uh, the Swift Craft Podcast, uh, tell us like, what is it about and uh, give us a little update on it. Yeah. So basically what it's about is I always wondered what it would be like to grab prominent people in the Swift community and just pick their brains for an hour and find out everything they know about a particular Apple API. So I kind of got sneaky with it and I started a podcast as an excuse to do just that. So if you're into like learning about, I don't know, collection views or Codable or Core Data, just any topic really, uh, it's just good to get on and just fill your brain with fill your brain with information that someone has to offer. And then at the end of the podcast, we basically talk about some resources that they could check out that would further their education afterwards. So that's basically the gist of the podcast. And like everyone said, it's, it's going really well, uh, getting a lot of emails and people are learning and that's always very encouraging. So, yeah. Awesome. Blossom. Yay. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for that check-in. I don't know. It's just, I feel like this amazing energy right now. Um, and it's just really so, it's so cool. Like we all kind of helped each other uh, start these things, keep them going. And I really do hope they're helping uh, people out there. Um, I know uh, my podcast is, I'm sure people message you guys. Um, you know, you guys get messages and emails um, talking about how uh, the work that we're doing is inspiring people. Um, and so hopefully we can just continue to do that, uh, be inspired and continue to inspire and uh, reach more people. Yep. I'm, I, I love it. All right. Yeah, so, it, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going it, to, it's, it's pretty much the most amazing thing when somebody reaches out to you, like, cause most of the time you're doing this, it feels like you're shouting out into the void and then somebody reaches <laughs> out to you and it's like, Hey, I really appreciate what you're doing. It helped me so much. Or they just reach out and just want to chit chat about your experiences. And it's just, it's exactly. just really cool to, 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 to yep. see that. I so, remember the first, the first episode or the first, uh, email that fireside Swift got It's from a guy named Richard. And, um, Let's just say that the email was astounding. I immediately called Stephen and said, you need to read this. And uh, we talked about it for like another 30 minutes. Oh, man. Yeah, it's beautiful. Actually, just before I left to Dub Dub, um, I spent uh, some time on the phone with, uh, with a listener. He had emailed me this really long thing. And, you know, it took me like two weeks to finally like get in touch with him. And um, one thing I've been thinking about is actually how this is going to scale because, you know, we're not going to be able to like give each person individual attention like that as, as soon as we start getting, you know, more and more messages. So if anybody has any suggestions <clears throat> on how we do that, I don't know, Lucy was telling me to write a book, uh, but I mean, you know, I keep having the same com conversation over and over again and like, uh, that's, that, that's kind of something I've been thinking about. Okay. So, but we'll save that for, um, another time. Everyone, I appreciate all these, uh, you know, your words and, and this check-in. Thank you so much. Let's move on. I want to talk about really quick why this episode. So the idea 
behind this is we each experienced Dub Dub. We're all um, connected to the Swift community, and we just want to share uh, share our perspectives um, and kind of our com- our our, con- our connected our our, our collective uh, perspective, uh, joining forces as uh, a network of, of podcast hosts and, and buds. Um, although Zach and I haven't met in person, uh, actually <laughs> Steven, Steven, we haven't met in person either. I, 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 that I still, you know, I'm, I'm, if anyone listens to Fireside Swift, I'm referring to like a little joke <laughs> where I said, Zach and I aren't friends. And then you guys called me out because we haven't met in person. <laughs> Anyways, it's like still, tor- it's still tormenting no, me. It still, it's, it still hurts. It still hurts. It's still tormenting me feeling like you took it, like you, you know, <laughs> that you really thought I was being serious. Oh, um, I know how you really feel. Don't worry. Um, so yeah, we wanted to come together, collective energy and thoughts to share our perspectives on Dub Dub. And um, the first thing um, we wanted to talk about is uh, where were you? So um, Zach, tell us where were you uh, uh, when you know Dub Dub started? Where did you watch the keynote? Where did you watch the the rest of the videos? Okay, so my experience with uh, WWDC is I basically watched two videos: the keynote and the State of the Union. Um, I was at home working from home on Monday and it kind of lined up nicely that the keynote began at noon central time. So I just kind of kept myself locked in my office, watched the entire keynote. Um, I was able to watch the first half, you know, without having to worry about work. And then when the, uh, you know, as it hit, you know, around one o'clock, I opened up my work computer and I was kind of half watching the keynote and half, you know, focusing on work. Um, and then for the state of the union, I was actually at work and I had to, I texted Steve, uh, from fireside Swift, not the Steve on the show and, um, said, you know, take, take lots of notes and fill me in as we go. Cause I'll be able to catch up on it later. And, and he did. So that's kind of my entire experience with WWDC. Okay. And uh, how about you, Steven? Where were you? I was at work. Um, so I take my Mac to work most of the time and I had it plugged in and I was like starting to eat my lunch. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to throw my Bose headphones on. I'm going to watch the <laughs> keynote. And if anybody says anything, then I'll stop. Nobody did. So I watched the whole thing right there at work while I was eating my lunch. And <laughs> I still, I still did work, but it was like, it was up full screen on my Mac and I was just doing my thing. <laughs> yeah, was anyone it sounds else? like we had, Oh, sorry. I was about to say, it sounds like we had the same uh, experience. Was anyone else like in your office, um, Zach or Steven, like watching uh, Dub Dub? Like, are people interested in it in your office? Absolutely not for me. So I work <laughs> for a, <laughs> I, I work at a, most of the people at my job aren't very technical. Um, I'm an inventory manager. Um, you may or may not know that. But um, most of the other people are, I'm like the go-to guy for everybody's computer problems. So like nobody really, n- nobody's like an Apple fanboy or anything like that or fangirl. Um, so I was really the only one into it. Nobody was talking. Nobody even knew what WWC was. How about you, Zach? I'm in the exact same boat. Nobody knew and or cared what was <laughs> okay. happening with Apple. I'm I'm closing my eyes and I'm visualizing next year, Dub Dub 2019. And at the very least, you will be surrounded by people who share <laughs> this interest. And uh, whether you're at Dub Dub or or you're you know still you know. You're watching it on a screen somewhere else. At least, at the very least, you'll be surrounded by people who share your enthusiasm. That's what I'm imagining. I love it. I love it. Maybe, uh, you know, Stephen and I aren't too far away. What, like three, four hours in between yeah, Austin and Dallas? Maybe, we, maybe you and I can get together. Yeah, we could. We can meet in Waco or whatever and have a uh, <laughs> <That'd be perfect. laughs> have a WWC watching party. <laughs> 
I actually was thinking about somehow like getting a giant bus and um, getting all of the Swift coders, whoever that might be. So like us and all the meetup members and whoever else wants to consider themselves one. And you know how they give out these denim jackets? I was thinking about like cutting out a square Swift Cody, somehow making it uh, look, well, anyways, we won't get into that. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And, and, and we would pat, put it on like a patch, almost like um, like a Hells Angels biker gang, you know what I mean? Everybody can have like their own separate patches, like from like, I'm from Texas and this is my meetup or whatever. <laughs> and we'd be like, we'd all stay at like a house or like a, a hotel or something and we'd all like walk into dub dub with like our our patches and <laughs> and a big like logo on the back is so funny that would be the least intimidating biker gang ever <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so uh e-man where were you yeah so i was actually just gonna watch it from home because i work from home with uh another steven not the one on this podcast as well uh, man we have a lot of stevens um but no we ended up going down to santa monica to trade z yuri was hosting an event there with a bunch of ios developers and we kind of watched it in this big room with a projector so that was pretty cool right on shout out to yuri shout out to trade z um you did a couple episodes with uh yuri recently right yeah, we did uh, collection views and codable. We did a two-parter. So, yeah, that was fun. Right on, right on. So, should I ask myself the question or does anyone want to ask me? Hey, I don't Eric, know. where were you for WWDC? <laughs> so, uh, you know, I was, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Blessed, Present? I guess. <laughs> blessed. I was blessed, you know, uh, to be given the opportunity to attend Dub Dub uh, for the second time. Last year was my first. This year was my second. So Tinder, <clears throat> excuse me, Tinder actually sent me uh, to Dub Dub, and there was actually a bunch of us from Tinder. Um, I think like eight people, um, and I ended up um, like running into my coworker on the flight, like up to San Jose. So I like, spent the whole like first day uh, with my coworker, which was really cool. So yeah, I was actually at Dub Dub. I didn't wake up that early, uh, and luckily I don't tell anybody, but I got in. Somebody saved me a spot in line and like I cut, but it wasn't like super in the front and like he totally told me to do it. And um, I don't know, don't be mad at me. Um, and But I still waited a really long time, you know, in line. And then, uh, and then in, my coworkers like saved me a spot too, like in the, in the area because I really wanted breakfast. I was hungry. So like they all ran in and got seats. Um, um, but I, uh, I like, you know, ate like a, donut or something and then they like saved me a seat and then you know I, I joined them so I was actually at Dub Dub and um, yeah it was a, it was a crazy experience I would love to get into it if uh, you guys have any you know any, any questions on that so all right that is where uh, we all were and uh, what we want to do now is uh, try to spend uh, a good portion uh, talking about our, our picks um, so uh, if, if uh, no one has anything to add before we do uh, we can go straight into it. Does anyone have anything they kind of want to mention before we go into the picks? Uh, I'm good here. I'm good. I'm good as well. All right. So here we go. Uh, picks. Steven, uh, Steven, you want to start with, uh, uh, oh, sorry, actually, let's just keep going in the, the order because then it's going to, it's just going to be hard for me to like kind of remember. <laughs> uh, the, yeah. So let's, let's, well, it's, it, we call it seniority because uh, Fireside Swift came out uh, uh, just after, first, first, we should say. Yeah. So a full week. Yeah. I don't know. I'm like a stickler for, for, for these kinds of things. I don't know why. So Zach, you wanted to talk about Xcode improvements. That is your pick. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. 
So I love the Xcode ID and I know people will gasp in shock when they hear that because there are a lot of people out there that aren't as fond of Xcode as I am. And I, I know, you know, it has its issues, but I'm working in Eclipse each and every day. And <sighs> believe me, that's so much worse. So I, I do love Xcode. Um, and it looks like there are quite a few updates um, that were announced at WWDC that I can't wait to get my hands on once, um, you know, it's, it's out of beta or at least stable enough that I feel like uh, downloading it. So first off is uh, dark mode. And I know that's not Xcode specific. Um, it's across, you know, Mac apps, but I love the way dark mode looks. And as soon as uh, I get it downloaded, one of the first things I do is going to be switching it to dark mode. Um, yeah, go ahead. Steven, what are your thoughts on some of the uh, Xcode improvements that uh, Zach mentioned? So I think they're all pretty great. Um, unfortunately, uh, you're not going to be able to do dark mode until you get to uh, Mojave. Right. That, that, that is a OS level thing. Right. Um, but yeah, you can, you can still get Xcode downloaded. I don't, I don't know why you would want to wait for uh, after beta one if you're just going to... I mean, <laughs> you're not going to be writing production stuff in there anyway right now. It's more or less to kind of get used to Swift 4.2 and kind of get a feel for how the IDE stuff is working. I personally love it right now. Um, I haven't really messed a whole lot with the uh, source control stuff, but overall, the improvements are great. Mm -hmm. um, I was kind of more of an X... I wouldn't say an Xcode hater, but I, I've used IntelliJ for for uh, Java development, and it is a much smoother experience. That's what Android Studio is based off of, and Xcode is... It's got its warts. <laughs> but Xcode has some other niceties, though. You don't have, like, a memory graph debugger in IntelliJ. You don't have all of the instruments and stuff like that, at least not from what, what, I've, what I've experienced. So it, it, it comes with trade-offs. Well, one of the things I'm most excited about that um, is, a, is a pretty small thing, but it makes a big difference to me, is over-scrolling. You know, I'm not going to have to hit enter when at the bottom of a file, you know, a dozen times to get the code up into the middle of the, the window. And that's over actually something. Scrolling. I, yes. Over scrolling. Over scrolling. Over scrolling. Yes. Over scrolling. That yes. is a pretty nice feature. Uh, I love it. Sure. Um, and then there's, like you said, version control integration. So I don't do a lot. Um, Stephen and I have kind of started working on something behind the scenes. Uh, so having that version control Ooh. integration would be nice. Yeah, we're, we're keeping that under wraps, though. Shh, don't, don't say. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I know. And then um, I know Raghav, one of our, our Fireside listeners and Steven's co-worker, is super pumped for code folding. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. in that camp as well. I'm Absolutely. super excited they've got <laughs> it fully back again because before it was back but not – really it was it kind of worked and but now it's like fully featured and i'm super stoked about it yeah I was, yeah I, I love cold fold, folding i was watching some videos on it and it looks so nice you can just get all of the stuff you're not working on out of your view out of this out of your site and um focus on what really matters yeah, yeah code oh man it's so hard to say code folding there you go. it has like this weird thing in xcode 9 where it like has a box around each line. Did that go away in Xcode 10? Do you know? I don't think so. I think it still has that, but it's still, it's just more fully featured, but they still have that. So, 
Uh, Eman, did, do you have anything to add uh, in particular on uh, Zach's uh, top pick? Ooh, maybe the fact that, uh, what was it, source? I forgot what they call it, source control, source edit. Um, basically, when you look up APIs, it doesn't just bug out on you. It actually takes you <laughs> where you need to go. And uh, what you said about the scrolling, that's such a small thing, but it makes a huge difference for me. So I'm glad they finally dealt with that annoyance. But that's about it. <laughs> I saw something where the syntax is actually uh, colored and highlighted or something like that in the uh, quick help. Uh, so you mentioned when you like, you know, option click or command click on something and it pops up the the quick help, like the, you know, the inline documentation, it's actually like color coded or something yeah. and syntax highlighted. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For Swift, I think it might do Objective-C too. That was pretty cool as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I have to agree with uh, everything you guys are saying. I can't wait to have Xcode 10 uh, dark mode, you know, dark mode on Xcode. Ah, I love it because I do yep. dusk. My you know my theme is dusk. So mm-hmm. just to now have like a consistent dark mode across the entire editor, um, I'm really excited for that. Um, definitely the over over scroll is that what it was called? I believe so. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited. Awesome, blossom. Okay. Anything else on that on on Xcode? Um, oh, there's one more. It's multi cursor editing which I'm not right. sure how much I would use it, but I like the fact that it exists because I'm sure even if I use it once, I will love using it. Yeah, you know, I think it's going to have a really good use for if you're dealing with some access control. If you like, maybe you forgot to make, maybe if you're making like, say, a framework or something and you were like, oh man, I forgot to make all of these public or I forgot to make mm-hmm. these private or internal something, you can you can change all those at once, which is going to be, a whole lot easier to do instead of like, you know, having to do that each individually or copy paste. Or copy paste, yeah. Nicer. Yeah. Definitely. Eman, do you get into that uh, multi-cursor uh, work, uh, workflow at all? Oh, man. So I haven't really used it because I've never had an editor that does it, but I'm sure once Xcode comes out with it, I'll start using it. I can't see myself using it a lot, but the few times where I would need it, it seems like it'd be really nice. My coworker Daniel Ainoa, he introduced me to multi-cursor uh, via Sublime Text, and I actually still use it to this day. And where I found myself using it, at least in, uh, one example, is where I have uh, some sample JSON, <laughs> and I want to take that sample JSON and you know maybe drop it in and use it as the coding keys for some codable struct, or you know um, take those. The, those JSON keys and turn them into the property names for some struct. Dude. And you can easily just remove all of the uh, quotes. You can remove the colons. Mm. You can, um, you know, remove camel case or, you know, or replace snake case with camel case, all these kinds of things. Derek, that's kind of creepy because that's exactly how I used it for the first time too. On Sublime, I had JSON and I want to edit a bunch of it all at once. So that was a little creepy, but yes, it's great for that. <laughs> I'm watching you. <laughs> right on. So anything else uh, on Xcode improvements? That's nope. it for me. Let's move on. Cool. All right. So next pick is Steven with Xcode Playgrounds. Yeah. So this kind of, I guess this could be considered an Xcode improvement. But um, so my first experience with with learning Swift and iOS development was Playgrounds. Um, when I first started learning to, to code, I ha- was on a 2010 MacBook Pro. So 
my first experience with with playgrounds was it took 45 minutes to get the simulator running and to start doing anything and it was constantly crashing it was you know it was hanging up all the time and eventually i just stopped using them then when i got my my uh 2016 macbook pro i was like okay so this is probably going to be a better experience and it turns out it wasn't really that much better. It didn't take 45 minutes to start a playground, but it was still buggy. It was still crashing. It was, it was a nightmare to work in because the whole point of it is to be able to like, you know, test something out or prototype something and, and, and get that experience of like being able to see your results very fast without having to compile a whole project. And that's just not what we were getting. Um, and I, I, tw- I even tweeted out before WWDC that my one wish was, was playgrounds um, was uh, 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 an update to Playgrounds that made it more stable. And we we actually got that. So I downloaded, as soon as I could, I downloaded the Xcode 10 beta, popped open a Playground, and the the, the loading time was a bit faster. Um, launching the simulator was, was, was still kind of um, not as fast as I would like it. But as soon as I started rolling into it, like adding new code, it, it was lightning fast. So my first experience with it was creating a, a just a simple view controller subclass, uh, making it the live view. And then I was like changing background colors, changing a uh, label that I had put in there. So, and it was like, whenever you compiled those next two lines, it was, it, it was fractions of a second. It, it came back extremely fast. And I, I can't, I can't tell you how refreshing that was. Wow. That's all, wow. Wow. Go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say that's awesome to hear because um, the last episode of Fireside Swift, episode 39, we covered Playgrounds. And as part of that, I uh, reached out to the community on Twitter and asked, you know, what is your experience with Playgrounds? And what we got back nearly to a response was, I love the idea of them, but they never work for me. And they're just so frustrating to try to get working that I've kind of given up on them. But I would love to have it where it could work uh, reliably. Yeah, so one of the things that 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 I really wanted to do, um, I, I've mentioned about this on the podcast, but I made made a um, optical character recognition framework for iOS uh, by wrapping a, a C library and and making it available on GitHub. What I wanted to do initially um, was to start prototyping it in Playgrounds, but it just wasn't working because one of the nice things about Playgrounds is that you can put um, when you put your uh, code files into the resources bundle in in Playgrounds it it actually kind of, it enforces um, access control. Like on the, if you need to access a struct out of there, it needs to be public, Um, you know, so you have to, so when you're making, if you're making a framework, you're prototyping like how you want to build your framework, you can start with all your framework classes then in your your initial playground file, then transfer those into into, uh, some source files. The sources uh, directory. Exactly. And then, and then you can play around with how the API surface feels after that. So it's pretty nice. But when before with playgrounds, it just wasn't, just wasn't something that was very feasible because every time it had to recompile everything. Yeah. So I have uh, a little kind of like little lowdown because, you know, I went to the labs and uh, I heard a little birdie told me that there was actually a bug, like a really bad bug. So if you noticed, um, Xcode Playgrounds was like, it was okay when it was first introduced and it started getting better and it was like pretty good. And then all of a sudden, I don't know, at some point in Xcode 9, it got really, really bad. And I actually had a lot of uh, what you're saying, this experience of the auxiliary sources, the auxiliary files, like when you put files into the sources or resources 
uh, you know, group in your ex, uh, in your playground uh, project, like, you know, issues with it compiling and, and just kind of crashing. And like, once it kind of crashes once, like, let's say you wrote a line of code that like threw an error, like it kind of would crash the entire, uh, you know, Xcode in a way. I mean, it wouldn't, Xcode wouldn't disappear, but like this, the whole experience would just be kind of totally gone. Like it wouldn't work and you'd have to quit Xcode, restart it. So apparently there was like a really, really bad bug uh, that I guess they finally fixed. And from what you're saying and from what I've heard, it's the playground experience is a lot better in Xcode 10. It's what it should have always been. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I mean, just just funny. I mean, I I, I just can't talk about how I, I, I could go on, but... What, what what do you got? Do you guys do you guys have any other input about that? Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I'm probably the one here who hasn't used Playground much at all. Um, it's just something that I never found a need to use. But I did notice something interesting that some developers in the community have been doing with it, which is taking something new Apple announces and kind of making a tutorial through Playgrounds. And I really like that idea. They've and it's not new. They've been doing it for a few years now, but Recently, and I forget the developer's name, feel free to chime in if you know, but someone released a Swift 4.2 or 4.3. Is it 4.2 or 4.3? Uh, Swift, Swift 4.2, and maybe you're referring to like uh, oh, oh, Ole yeah. Begemon. Yes, or he's the one. So he just released uh, 4.2 Playgrounds, and you kind of just get a very nice sense of everything that's being released. And I thought that was an incredible use for Swift uh, Playgrounds. Yeah, totally. Um, actually, I think I saw one of the Swift team. I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Ted Kremenic, the like you know Swift team lead. I believe uh, he kind of reposted uh, Ole's you know tweet about that playground. And I feel like once that kind of starts happening, there's definitely got to be an offer floating around uh, for Ole to join Apple. Uh, you know, if it hasn't, if, if he hasn't joined already, like. Uh, you know, I, I feel like I'm calling it right now. People have probably said that, but like, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, does anyone uh, have anything? Uh, Zach, do you have anything to add? Eman, anything else on uh, Xcode Playgrounds? I, I love it, uh, Playgrounds. I haven't played with the uh, Xcode 10 beta yet. I know I'm a totally bad developer, um, <laughs> but like, I'm really excited to uh, to use them. We use Playgrounds a lot at Tinder. We love prototyping, whether it's our API uh, clients, like new endpoints that we're uh, hitting, uh, or views, or new uh, services, or uh, you know, kind of like micro libraries that we want to create for the Tinder project. We love using Playgrounds. I told the Xcode team like directly the, this information, and and they really they want to make it so that we can do that. Like they, they know that that's how people want to use it. Nice. And um, I think that's why um, what Steven was saying about, uh, uh, about this experience, you know, of it being better, um, you know, is, uh, is true. Okay, so the show must go on uh, Eman, Siri, uh, shortcuts. I, I believe you said like Siri kit, kind of Siri in general, right? Yeah, so my thing is Siri shortcuts. As soon as they announced this on stage, I was like, this is it. This is the groundbreaking feature, right? Um, I was blown away by the fact that you can just chain all these different workflows together and uh, execute them with your voice. And I was even more blown away when you could tell Siri, hey, when I say this specific phrase, that's the trigger, that's the input. 
And I feel like a couple of years ago uh, for iOS 10, this is kind of what everyone was dreaming for, like a way for Siri to be as ubiquitous and as powerful as Alexa. And I think this is it. This is Apple's answer to finally making Siri a powerhouse. And yeah, it's a power user feature, I think. But we'll see how well it does in general, like how well it spreads. But I was blown away about it. Uh, what about you guys? What do you guys think? So I watched that part and I got very excited about it. And I don't use Siri a lot, but I do know that there are points in my day where I usually repeat the same number of tasks. Mm-hmm. And I am looking forward to just opening up Siri, you know, speaking, speaking the, the code words and um, having all of that just automated for me. Exactly. One of the main ones, and they demonstrated it on stage, is just going home. I don't want to launch my map app, punch <laughs> in my address every single time, open up Overcast and start a podcast. Like, I just want that all taken care of when I get in the car, you know, that'd be super nice. So, what about you, Garrett? That's really cool, actually, the use case you just described, because um, I don't use, I use Siri a little bit, but I've never thought about like I would want like some keyword that would like start up this whole flow. But the idea of like, you know, going home gives me directions and like starts up a podcast, maybe text Lucy or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's actually pretty cool. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what I was thinking when they said that. So let's be clear on uh, what we're talking about. So Siri shortcuts, it was actually a lot of different things, right? So there is uh, a developer uh, facing API where you can uh, donate information to Siri. So some sort of user activity. Mm -hmm. And then you have to, I believe, create like your Siri shortcut. And there's like a Siri shortcut editor in Xcode. Really cool. Kind of like a build configuration editor Mm -hmm. or um, a... application capabilities um, editor. It's really cool. And you add like, let's say, you know, order soup was like the one that they talked about. So you donate like the user intent that the user ordered soup. And then there's that shortcut that you actually have, um, you know, in the, uh, in the editor. And then uh, you can, I think, like display all of the shortcuts like in your app, Mm -hmm. but then you can also like, they'll come up in the Siri, settings app or something right yeah they exactly and uh that's what was from the keynote they did on that specific thing and that to me is another major feature it's not just apple's apps this is something that's available across all the apps you could string a workflow from one app to the next app to the next app and that's amazing given every app is sandboxed that you could just have this functionality that chains across all of them so that was really cool yeah, so if you go to the Siri settings app, I think it, it, it's in there, it'll like suggest um, possible shortcuts and you can like add those shortcuts and then it brings up this UI like uh, to have a, what do they call it? Like a phrase or a keyword, trigger word maybe. Mm-hmm. And you can actually have that UI in your app too if you want to suggest Siri shortcuts in your mm-hmm. app. And then you can now access those shortcuts, I think, in like three ways you can have your trigger word like you know um you know assistant it's soup time or whatever and it'll like order soup let's say or if you're just like swiping down um on a spotlight search it might actually show like oh i I think you know it's 12 o'clock i think you probably want to order soup and you can click on that um or 
what's the other one? Or you can add it like in there's a shortcuts app, which is like basically the workflow app, but it's the shortcuts app now. And you can see the shortcut in there too. And that's what you're talking about, like the chaining. Exactly. And for those who don't know, Workflow was bought up by Apple. And I honestly expected it to take another year before they released something like this. I honestly think they were working on it for a while and then they bought Workflow and it just sped things up. But yeah, this is so cool and I can't wait to geek out on it. I was actually at the Siri Shortcuts um, session. So there was two that I attended. I think maybe there was a third one. I was um, at the first one where Ari, I believe he's like one of the founders of Workflow, uh, you know, he presented and I think Ankit or Amit, I can't remember, also presented. Then there was a second one where um, Ayaka uh, presented. And um, man, it was like the energy was so, it was such a sweet energy, actually. Like everyone was so proud of Ayaka to like walk on the stage. And actually the whole like Siri team was like, they were all sitting in the front and they were all just kind of cheering. And then afterwards I went up there and just, I was just like admiring their energy and how proud they were. And I agree, man, I, I was really surprised too. Like they just got acquired, you know, within the year, uh, you know, 12 months or whatever. And they already are putting out like this amazing product. Yeah, completely out of left field. And I honestly think like, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be a rag on this dub dub, but like when I think of like a standout feature that was like, that just blew me away and I didn't see it at all coming. Like that was it. Like the fact that they were able to bake so much uh, functionality into Siri with that, that was really cool. But uh, I'm interested in hearing St- uh, Zach and Steven. <laughs> Steven, since you just came back, I really want to hear your thoughts about it as well. It, it seems kind of like the user has to define the way that they interact with your app on the voice level. But I f- also feel like it also promotes a little more discovery in how you can interact with apps. Uh, like the echo doesn't really have that from what I under like you you can get like a weekly email or whatever and like I, I feel like it like you have to go look for apps to do the thing that you want to do where with the series short with the shortcuts app you're gonna see apps that you already have that do that so I, I think mm-hmm. that's pretty cool that's a cool uh, that's a good point like uh, Siri shortcuts as a feature discovery tool that's kind of interesting yeah, I mean, because I had actually uh, had this idea when my when we first had our had our baby Fiona, and we were needing to track like whenever you first have your baby, you're like so worried about tracking like feedings and stuff like that, <sighs> and like I was like, man, you know, it would be so great if my wife could just be like, hey, you know, lady in my phone, uh, start tracking Fiona's feeding, so it would like you know at least give you like the you'd always be able to have like the time you started. Where And then you could fill in the other stuff later. I mean, you're going to remember whether you fed her four ounces or two ounces or something like that. But Right. And the, the thing with the feeding is, because I'm, I'm a father as well, uh, you don't – it would be nice to be able to do that with your voice. Because, you know, if you go to feed, that's what you're focused on. You, you don't really think about, okay, pull out my phone, start the app, hit the button, do the thing. Um, but it's a lot easier to just speak and have it start. Yeah. And you're not worried, like you don't have to worry about the time. It's like you might be like two, two thirds of the way done feeding your baby. And it's like, oh, what time did I start again? Like, I don't know. Like, so now you gotta, (laughs) gotta guesstimate. Yeah. Details like that seem to just (laughs) fly away. (laughs) You guys just reminded me, any of you guys have HomePods at your house? Cause this works with the HomePod as well. I do not. I do not as well. And I, I, part of me wondered, Derek, you part of me wondered if they, 
if they uh, kind of made this a big part of this WWDC to kind of boost, uh, kind of prop the HomePod up a little bit. I didn't get that impression, but uh, when they finally did mention the HomePod, like, oh, hey, it exists and you could use these Siri shortcuts on it. I'm like, oh, well, that's nice. That adds a whole new world of possibilities. But I I remember it being mentioned in passing. I'm like, huh, that's interesting. But yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I love Siri. I don't use it that much. And again, like I haven't really thought of the use cases. So now you're mentioning like, uh, you know, being a father or, or a mother and there's like implications there. So I love that. I love hearing that because I always tend to think like people use everything the way I use it. It's totally, I know it's probably bad, but, um, so I'm really happy to hear that. I do have a HomePod. Um, I'm not sure how I would use it with that, but it definitely seems like, um, if you want to be featured on day one of iOS 12, like being available, uh, if you can adopt um, a Siri shortcut, and I was able to speak with Ari um, uh, and Ayaka, and um, I believe it's Amit, Amit, I can't remember, and like kind of get ideas from them, like what, for instance, how could Tinder use it? Um, so if you, you know, if you're wondering how you could use it for your application, reach out to people on Twitter. I believe all three of the people that I mentioned, yes, uh, they're all on Twitter. I'm actually, uh, you know, connected with them. You know, I, I'm following them. So I know, you know, I know what their handles are. So reach out to me. And I believe if you reach out to them and ask them, hey, I, I want to use it for my app, but I'm not sure what to do. I, I watch the videos, but I, I kind of need some feedback. You, know, you might be able to reach out to them and get some, some ideas from them because they really want people to adopt it. Okay, so if there's nothing else on Siri shortcuts, I want to move to my pick. What do you guys think? Cool. Let's, do it. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, so it's not so much of a developer thing exa- exactly, so I hope I'm not letting anybody down, but I wanted to talk about like the WWDC experience, uh, the good and the bad, and like from the perspective of like last year, um, like being there, you know, actually being there. Uh, like I was there last year and, you know... Um, here and I was there this year, and uh, so I guess let's start with like the bad, and it's really not that bad. Uh, I'm not really trying to look for bad things. I usually try to look at the good, <laughs> um, but all that it really was was like I felt like the food wasn't as good, and um, <laughs> yeah, that's is really that it. it. That's that's your bad is the food wasn't as good. Yeah, one more thing, one more thing, um, and like the staff, like the hospitality staff, like they're all Apple employees. Uh, they work at, like different retail stores. I felt like they they didn't do as good of a job as like being helpful during like the food and snack and like eating times. Like it was always kind of like I didn't know where to go to get the, the food and like where when was coffee coming out? Like when could I get coffee and when can I get snacks? Or like I would be waiting in a really long line, let's say, and like ten minutes of waiting in the line, and I look. And there's like another line, but there's like no line. And it's like, well, why not like tell the line of people to like split up and like, you know what I mean? So that's <laughs> so I, lo- I love how it's all food related. Exactly. That's what I was going to say too. Every, every <laughs> criticism. He gets grumpy without his food. <laughs> every criticism he has is about food. Like you next know, time, just shove a couple of granola bars in your pocket or something. <laughs> you know, I had, uh, one of the I, I don't listen to ATP that much, but I do know that uh, in previous in last WWDC season, um, John Syracuse uh, would go into this long, 
long talk about how much he disliked WWDC food into like great detail down to the, like the packaging, the lettuce. And so it, it, at least, at least he's coming at it from like a different angle. It's like, it's not that the food is bad. It's just that getting the food was bad. <laughs> I mean, so you're not alone. And I felt like the food maybe was actually better last year. And yeah, the packaging, like I felt like I was being so wasteful and I was hoping that maybe like they were actually sorting all the waste. Cause like it's these plastic things, you know, these plastic containers. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's pretty much it for the bad. Now the good, the good was that this time there were at least, you know, for me, I felt like there were these additional experiences that I don't recall, uh, being there last year, or at least maybe I just didn't participate in them last year. For instance, there was, uh, this swift shot game that they demoed you might uh, remember from the keynote briefly oh, it, is that the ar one right where it was like you're shooting like a ball and like uh and on this like wood table and they were talking about shared experience with ar remember that yeah and then they and then they demoed like the lego thing but like right before that they show you this swift shot game where you're like you have an ipad and you're like shooting like slingshot basically so they had um like four tables like real big size tables and they had, there's a long line of people waiting to play this game. And it was like four people playing the game at the same time with iPads. And there was another like Apple employee who was like leading the game with another iPad. And it was just so cool. Like there was this interactive experience. And then um, upstairs in the labs, they also had these like get togethers. They had an AR get together and like iOS games get together. And again, they might've had them in the past, but I, I, at least I participated in this year. And really what I wanted to kind of mention is that I had this idea about how I feel like these experiences that they're creating at DubDub, these more kind of just hands-on interactive experiences that aren't necessarily developer focused are really just like these testing grounds for things that they're going to do at Apple stores. And it got me really excited to think about um, having these kind of interactive experiences at the Apple stores. And in fact, um, Angela Arantz, um, the uh, VP, I believe, of, of retail, she tweeted how one of the talks from DubDub, the prototyping talk, is actually going to be taught at um, Apple stores as a part of the Today at Apple um, programming. So I just love this idea of like things coming out of DubDub, making their way into the stores. Um, yeah, so that's like so that's just really what I wanted to add. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. Um, it's okay if you don't, because I, uh, you know, we can move move through quickly if there's anything else we want to cover. But that's just what I thought. No, that that sounds good. I'd be interested to see if one of those uh, AR games makes it into an Apple Store because I don't, I don't feel like Apple would want a giant empty table where they could, you know, have a table filled with iPads or Apple Watches or something. Uh, well, they'll have, they'll have augmented iPads and Apple Watches. <laughs> oh, that's actually a good idea. What if they had all these different sizes of devices and you could kind of see and interact with them digitally? But it does oh, kind of sound weird. Right. You just have Here's this imaginary Apple Watch you could try on. Yeah, you know. have the virtual reality one on one table and you turn right around and there the actual item is. <laughs> oh, yeah it seems forced but yeah <laughs> that actually sounds like a, an apple thing to do you just walk into a store maybe this is what they're moving towards you walk into a store and there's no no uh inventory anywhere it's just a bunch of empty tables and uh iPads. 
minimalism maximized. (laughs) So that's actually pretty cool. Like imagine you have like a blown up iPhone and you can like see the internals or something like that. Well, they don't want you Mm -hmm. to see that. Was that? Yeah, I'm having trouble hearing Steven. Oh, okay. Um, I said they probably don't want you to see all that. <laughs> oh, right, right. <laughs> Go home and do it on yourself. <laughs> oh, right, Steal some right, silicon. Right. But the idea that I had was like, you know, they have the forum, the idea that these Apple stores are going to be places where people will come to hang out. Um, and so that's sort of what I was thinking, like one table. And it wouldn't be empty. Like there would be people surrounding this table watching people people would be playing the game and then some people would be watching the people play the game. So they actually had um, TVs where you could see what the uh, players were seeing. So that's sort of what I was thinking. I just got kind of inspired, like feeling like I just always love the idea of like what we're doing as developers, getting more and more into like the consumer world. Yeah. The, you just reminded me of a few things. One is they did the whole Lego game. It'd be kind of cool to have people get together and just have fun and learn through that. But also, I see a lot of application for AR when it comes to uh, education. So you could have like, and, and Apple's doing this more and more where they're making each Apple store more of a, a kind of like a community center. You come in and you get involved in some way, you learn something and AR could be a big part of that. You could, uh, for example, I've seen people do things with sports where you get to see how people dribble a basketball and maneuver around or um, even in the medical field, people are using it to see the human anatomy and things like that. So I could see it being used in that way in Apple stores as well. And that would be very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Right on. Does anyone have anything to add on my WWDC experience, good and bad? No, I'm just jealous. I'll take the bad food and the poorly thought out lines. Um, as i said we will get you there um at the very least you're going to be surrounded by people who share your enthusiasm and definitely in the future you will be there and actually one of the things i wanted to mention was like really i think especially if it's going to continue to be in san jose anyone that can for instance take off work and afford a ticket uh to, to to just be in the city not necessarily go to dub dub the conference should because the energy is just great. There's so many extra things to do. And yeah, so you'll get there. You will one day. I remember like I, I, I thought I like, why would I go to DubDub? Like I'm not a developer. <laughs> and then even when I sort of was a developer, I was still like, well, it's not for me. You know, and so that's actually one of the things I want to dispel is that, um, you know, it, anyone that's curious um, about becoming an iOS developer or an Apple developer or a Swift developer or whatever, designer even, um, should go to DubDub. And I think it's actually a great place to even be exposed for the first time. Um, they had a, a session called I Have an App Idea for This or something. It was a session at DubDub where wow. it was like really beginner focused. Like they opened up Xcode. They showed how to like add a button. They were using storyboards. It was really cool. Yeah, That's I took awesome. a look at that and uh, it, I ended. I didn't end up finishing. I think I fell asleep. I was watching it at night, but it, it was definitely. Uh-huh. It, def- it, it kind of took me by surprise. I was like, I gotta watch this. Most of my most of my audience members are, are beginners, but yeah, it just like kind of like broke it down like to a to an approachable level, like somebody that didn't really know how to do it. And I, I just thought that was kind of cool because I, I wonder what the audience size was like there. That was an, that was one thing I actually wanted to ask you, Eric. So every time like you look at those session videos, most of the time they don't pan out to the audience. Like during the keynote, they do, but not during the session videos. 
<laughs> were were all of them jam packed? Right. So the big ones are really really full. So and um, if you, I don't know if you could still look at the schedule. Anything like in hall one, hall two, they're you know really filled up. Um, I actually went to the. I have an app idea for this or something like that. Um, Cause I wanted to just go in there and feel the vibe and get a sense of like, well, why is this at dub dub? And like, since it's here, like who's going to it and what's it like? So I actually went there and there were a lot of people in there. Um, I left very early because yeah, I don't know. I just was like, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't know if I want to like just watch this part. Maybe I can watch it later. And then I think I ended up going to the series shortcuts one, uh, which I'm really glad I did. But um yeah, like, no, there's a, there's a lot of people in the sessions. So people go to the sessions, but then a lot of people go to the labs because the labs is like where that's really a time sensitive thing, which you can only get at that time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what, did, you, did you go to any? How was that experience? The labs are amazing. Yeah. So definitely have questions. Um, so starting today. If you ever have a, a question where you're like, man, I wish I could talk to like an Apple engineer about this, have a note, have like a, a dub dub 2019 note and just write that question there. Um, if there's ever some weird bug or, you know, you file a radar, um, write that in that note. And then next year when you go to the lab, you want to ask them um, about it. Because like the worst thing is being at the labs and not having a question. Some people are really good at just making stuff up. Um, but I hear it from a lot of people that, you know, they want to interact with Apple engineers at the labs, but they don't have questions. I attended Try Swift uh, uh, San Jose, which was on Friday next door. It wasn't at DubDub. And um, there you didn't need a question. The question was given to you, which was like, let's all contribute to Swift open source, um, which I thought was really awesome. So what I'm hoping is that anybody that doesn't have a question but wants to interact with Apple engineers could go to something like a TriSwift San Jose um, at DubDub where they can contribute to Swift open source. That's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Right on, right on. Okay, so if there is nothing else, uh, let's, if we have time, uh, everyone cool on time, we can go to the theme really quick before we end. What do you guys think? Yeah, sounds good to me. Okay, cool. So the theme, like the general theme, what was everyone's thoughts? So Zach, do you have anything that you kind of feel? I mean, maybe we kind of all agree. I don't know. What do you guys think are, was like the theme um, f- for you, Zach? Go ahead. So again, I, I watched the the keynote and the State of the Union. So I don't have a big feel for what the theme was other than uh, I echo what um, E-Man said earlier, there weren't any of these, you know, major announcements that would make me want to run out and download everything immediately. But the stuff we did get was, um, some very nice quality of life improvements, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's nothing that kind of blew me away, but there, I am looking forward to, uh, coding after all of the updates, you know, finally make it to me. Right on. Uh, Steven. Yeah. So, uh, last year it felt like it was very more cons- it was a lot more consumer focused about like the new features like check out AR kit check out core ml look at all these exciting new things but at that time when i was learning like that didn't really even that it was it was cool and it was exciting but it was like i'm still trying to get this down um and i i didn't really focus on that stuff so much 
now now that we're coming back around, I, I've been feeling the pains of like the the drawbacks of like, you know, Xcode problems and and we've got, you know, playgrounds and stuff like that. And, you know, Siri um, not being as full featured as she once was. And now now it feels like it feels like a, a an overall better experience that was all about developers. Like the keynote was fairly boring. And I think that was a good sign, in my opinion, because that that's seems to be more of a uh, media focused type of deal anyway. So I, I was just really excited that the keynote was boring and everything. I knew if it was boring to most people <laughs> that it was going to be really interesting for me. <laughs> Eman, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I just think that it's good that Apple kind of slowed down the breakneck pace they were releasing things and they kind of just focused on improving everything we have. I don't know if you guys noticed, but the amount of people on iOS 11 wasn't as high. I think it was in the 80 somethings when it's usually like 93, 94%. So this to me tells me like, who's not going to update to iOS 12? Like they had iPhone sixes running the OS way faster and launching camera and keyboard way faster. So it's kind of good that once in a while we get sort of like a stability snow leopard esque update Mm -hmm. that kind of just brings everything to a beautiful spit and polish and everyone can kind of just catch up with iOS 11 and iOS 12 APIs. And then going forward, we have a strong foundation to jump off of. Because let me tell you, I know for a fact that uh, iOS uh, 13 next year is going to be bonkers. There's (laughs) going to be a bunch of new features. And I'm glad they took the time to stabilize everything before that. So that's what I think. I agree. I think that's it's much needed. And it's kind of like a stair step pattern, right? Like you get a whole lot of stuff in one release and then you stabilize it for the next release and then the release after that you get a whole lot of new stuff again and mm-hmm. you know you just kind of work at it that way that way you're mm-hmm. not adding a bunch of stuff all at once continuously and that tends to uh kind of propagate bugs right if you never have that stabilization mm-hmm. period so exactly. I, I i like that's having that with us so my thoughts on the theme is one slide in the plat, uh, platform state of the union, it's uh, it starts with I believe ML. There's an icon, an ML icon. Then there's an AR AR kit icon. Then there was a man. I can't remember the next one. Siri. I believe there was a Siri icon. Then there was a Swift icon. Then there was an Xcode icon. And um, you know, let's say kind of. That relates to the keynote kind of in a way, right? You know, with um, Siri and kind of uh, AR, right? Siri AR kind of because, you know, Memoji, for instance, is an AR thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, it was metal. It wasn't Siri. It was metal. Um, so that's kind of like what I think is what, sort of like the theme. It's like guys, developers, not guys, sorry, developers, uh, focus on ML, focus on AR, uh, performance. So you have like metal, like graphics rendering, just like awesome, you know, performance and then tools, Swift and Xcode. And to me, that's like Apple telling us this is what developers should be kind of like focusing on. And that's kind of like what I thought maybe the theme was. So, yeah. Yeah, All right. So if there's time, I want to talk about one last thing. Uh, And how's that sound? Just one last thing. How's that sound? (laughs) One more thing. Go for I'm, it. Okay. I'm good. And that is that. that is the intro video. Zach? <laughs> <laughs> you would go there. 
<clears throat> you would go. Um, so I know the intro, the intro video seems to be the, uh, the most polarizing part of this entire WWDC. Um, I know people that love it. I know people that hated it. I am somewhere in the middle leaning towards, you know, not loving it. I, I wasn't the biggest fan. Um, and I understand what they were trying to do. And yes, it was, it was funny in parts and it was kind of silly and lighthearted. And I like that. Um, but to me, it felt like it was, uh, exclusionary. Mm. Um, it was saying, you know, I, and I understand you're trying to build a community and, and keep those bonds tight, but at the same time, everything that Apple has done thus far has been trying to say, no, everybody can code. You don't need to be the guy who spends 24 hours a day in a basement coding. And then they come in and uh, with their intro video to their developers conference, say, we are the guys who spend 24 hours in the basement coding. And so it felt uh, kind of off brand and maybe like it didn't didn't it wasn't thought out. Well okay, really briefly, can you explain what exactly that skit was? Because I was at TradeZ and we didn't, we couldn't get the projector working for like the first five, <laughs> 10 minutes. Sure. So I'm completely out of the loop. On that. Sure. So, so, so what it was is um, they were spoofing off kind of those nature videos and they were ta- talking David about. Attenborough. Yeah, I think it was actually Stephen Fry who did it. But it's like I'm a David sure. Attenborough. Yes. Yeah. And that's what they were going for. Um so they were talking about, you know, this great migration that happens every year for this uh, species, you know, this this rare species <laughs> that goes to San Jose. And, and like it sounds it does sound good. I just feel like the way they executed it um, left a little it was a little lacking. Yeah. So to be clear, Eman, it's a nature video where a developer is the species. And it's yeah, a great, so they're it's all migrating. migrating. Yeah. So, okay. So how, how did it feel um, like it was exclusionary? Were all the developers super developers who all they did was develop or there were no like beginners in the mix? Is that what the issue is? Or they, For the most part, I mean, they showed some scholars at one point and they were like, oh, the younglings. Um, but for the, for the <laughs> most part, it felt like they were saying uh, the, the only developers that can develop or the only people who can develop um, are the ones who have been developing for forever. And the um, the whole thrust of most of the podcasts on the Swift Coders network of podcasts is that anybody can do this. Um, so I get what they were doing and I understand, I understand when people are like, you know, it's just a joke. I get that. But at the same time, you know, there's, there is probably someone out there who may have been excited. This is their first, you know, WWDC. They weren't expect, you know, they weren't sure what to expect. And then that was the first thing Apple gave to them was something okay. that's saying, Oh, you're new to this. It might not be for you. So Steven, what do you think? Because, um, I could see how someone can view it that way. I haven't seen it myself, like I said, but Steven, like, how did you take the whole intro video? I was laughing the entire time. I thought it was hilarious. And I, I, I can see where you're coming from, Zach. Um, but I, I, I don't know that if anybody gets a, is offended or feels off put by it, I think they're missing the spirit of it. And I, that, and that's just my opinion. Um, but I, I don't, I don't look at that because I'm, I'm not one of those super developers that have been coding forever. Like, you know, I, I only recently started to learn, um, 
20 months ago about now. Um, so I, I can look at that and think, oh, that's that that's pretty hilarious because essentially what they were doing was like, oh, this is what they, you know, they all look nerdy or whatever, or they, they, they're kind of clumsy and like, the, I don't know. It, I thought it was done in good taste. It was more of, it was more like it was like, we're making fun of ourselves kind of deal. Um, mm-hmm. And I, it, they didn't show any, they didn't show anybody uh, being excluded from the tribe. Right. I, I don't know. No, that, that, that was just my they take on it. Show someone getting excluded from the tribe. Oh, that's was, right. The guy in this. Yeah, it was the business guy. They were like, no, uh-huh. we don't want any of this. And they turned. So, I mean, in the video itself, they were like, no, he's not for us. Fair, fair <laughs> enough. Fair, 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 fair enough. I forgot about that. You're right. Um, <laughs> okay. So, so I was actually in the room, uh, you know, during the keynote. So I got to at least feel like the vibe of the room. Um, and actually recently just rewatched it right before we started uh, recording. Um, but I want to ask, has there been talk about this like in the internet sphere where people are actually kind of dis- uh, indecided or, or kind of not arguing, but like on either side of it? Does anyone know? Yeah, I've, I've, seen, it, I've seen it pop up from a few people. And again, it's not something that's getting a, a ton of chatter, but you know, people have feelings about it. Right. There was there was one one podcaster that I that I listened to. He doesn't have a Swift related podcast. He's on a he's on another show. He's he's done Mac and iOS development in the past, but he's kind of does does other things, including that now. Um, and he was he was kind of blowing it out of proportion. I, I think he he said, but he was coming at it from an angle of well, if you did that about any other group, you know, people would get super offended by it, and and then <laughs> therefore I'm getting offended by it, and I was like. Yeah, you know what? That's not really a valid. I don't think that's really a valid argument. Now, what you yeah. when <laughs> your counterpoint to what I was saying, Zach, that is completely valid. So I, I, I completely, <laughs> I blissfully forgot about that part. So I, I can see where you're coming from. But the point that he was driving that um, if you were to do this about any ethnic group or if you were to, like, yes, that would be offensive. But it wasn't an ethnic group. It it was it was making fun of ourselves kind of thing. So mm. I. You know, I, I can I can understand where you're coming from, but the the place he was coming from, I think, was totally misguided. Yeah, and I, I get that. And I, to be clear, I wasn't offended by the video. I just felt like they could have done something more with it, you know? Yeah, so actually, I haven't really thought too much about it. Um, I, I felt some of these things while watching it, and even the second time I felt some of those things. Um, you know, mostly laughing, but I did feel a little bit of those things. You know, the person in the business uh, suit kind of being turned away by the 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 group, the clique, or whatever. Um, they mention <clears throat> that only these look at their language. Only these mm-hmm. coders can decipher the meaning of these colors and things. If if you remember that, I kind of took a little bit of issue with. Even Lucy um, said something kind of. I can't remember exactly what she said, but she when I was watching it just now before we started the, the podcast recording, uh, she said, you know, I watched it and she was watching along with me and she said something to that effect too. Like this seems like exclusionary kind of something like that. But now that we're talking about it, I have a lot of things that are coming to mind first though. I want to preface it all with, we are an accessible group. We are an accessible, accessible community. We are an inclusive community. So yep. regardless of any of it, we need to recognize that and make sure that we don't forget that and remember that and make sure that that's the most important. Second, what was Apple's intent? I think that Apple had the intent, 
the two things. They wanted to make people laugh and they wanted, ma- they wanted to make developers feel like they were a part of something, like a common uh, bond, a community. And you notice at the very end, they said, welcome home developers. And that reminds me of uh, when I go to Burning Man, for instance, or when I go to Habitas, they say, welcome home. Like, you, this is your home. We're inviting you to, to our home and it's your home too. Mikasa Sukasa. And so Apple is really going out of their way to make a community. They know the power of people. The people is the most important resource. So they really are trying to do that. Now, um, at the expense, that came at a cost for, for sort of a joke, for humor. And that actually happens a lot of the time. You know, like we make light of things. We joke about things, but it actually comes at a cost. Um, now, in the end, you know, like, I don't think like, if we, again, if we look at their intent, I think they had good intentions behind it. As Zach mm-hmm. points out, they maybe could have thought about it a little better. They could have done a better job. Um, for instance, um, they could have shown developers helping each other. They didn't really do that too much. They kind of, so they were like developers crowded around a computer, but you know, they could have shown, they could have just had one line like, oh, and here is an experienced developer helping um, a youngling developer or something like that, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's all the thoughts I had. Does anyone have anything on that? Yeah, like, uh, I haven't seen it again, but <laughs> just hearing the conversation around it is interesting because I'm kind of coming at it blindly, just hearing what your thoughts are and uh, the back and forth. Um, I feel like, I don't know, this is just my impression, but I feel like, Almost everything is, um, and Zach, I'm not saying you were offended by it, but it almost feels <laughs> like everything, even humor nowadays, is almost taken too literally or seriously. And I feel like if it was just, if it was just meant for a laugh, I, like I wouldn't read more into it than just that. If it was just meant to like do that and that's it, um, I don't know. At least that's how I felt lately. I feel like um, people take things in a certain context that makes sense, and then. Um, it just gets misinterpreted. The message kind of gets lost. Um, so yeah, like I, I think if it was just intended as a joke and that's all it was, then it's fine. I mean, I, I don't know. That, that's my personal opinion on it, but what do I know? I need to go and watch the first 10 minutes of the <laughs> session or the <laughs> keynote and see what it's all about. So who knows? My opinion might change. <laughs> you know, the real funny thing about all of this is that in two weeks to a month, no one is even going to remember. <laughs> no one's going to care. <laughs> so we have these these great overarching debates that really mean nothing. <laughs> yeah. So I will say this though, the room, pretty much everybody was laughing, but I did think those things in the room as well, but I didn't think much of it. For the most part everyone was laughing. Now does that mean it everyone took it really funny? I mean maybe people were laughing out of nervousness or just could, go along with the crowd. But as you guys point out, like people are going to forget about this for the most part. I think we should focus on like the actual intent. Apple's trying to make developers feel like they're a part of something special that we all have this common bond. Um, and they were just trying to, to laugh. Yeah. And, uh, and we know, laugh. and we know, and they know that anyone who wants to be a part of the community can be, and with welcome arms, it's not like, you know, that video is a statement on, you know, businessmen not being businessmen or women not being uh, welcomed or included. I think it was just a, a, a lighthearted teasing thing. And that's all it should be taken as. And anyone who wants to join should know that, you know, the message should be clear that they very well can 
and we'd be happy to have them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, maybe no, it was more I, like I, Apple. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, I, I agree. You know, it, it was done in a lighthearted way. I didn't quite agree with it, and I think it mixed, missed its mark. But, you know, I, I think if you're offended by it, it might be overstepping a little bit. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Yeah, and like maybe, maybe the guy, the businessman in the suit was like, Apple versus Microsoft or Apple versus IBM or something like an ode to some you know, thing in the back in the day, you know, that's true. Yeah. I was thinking more like uh, the, you know how in high school you had like the nerds and then the jocks. And I imagine like a lot of jocks became businessmen, but somehow in the future computers, like nerds ended up being like the boss of everyone. You have Bill Gates <laughs> and Steve Jobs and it's like, they remember the businessmen. They remember those guys. <laughs> That's kind of how I took it just hearing you guys talk about it. (laughs) Um, Ultimately, though, I think it was a hilarious idea. I really do. Like, uh, I think it's, I love David Attenborough and all the like Planet Earth and all the nature document documentaries. So I just thought it was a great idea. Um, But maybe they could have executed better. I would say let's not get too mad at Apple because I would encourage them to continue to do these types of these, these types of things. But let's encourage them to think more about it, maybe be more inclusive. You know, it was some marketer person probably did the video and maybe they actually don't know our community that well. You know, like they maybe just got a collection of like ideas from different people, but maybe they need to hear more about our community and how welcoming we are, how um, helpful we are, encouraging, supportive, all this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't, I don't fault Apple for giving it a shot. Like, um, I don't know. I wouldn't want this to stop them from, you know, trying new things in the future. It's just, I have, you know, one criticism of how it was done this time. That doesn't mean you stop doing things. I mean, heck if I stopped, you know, whenever I did something incorrectly, then I would not be on this podcast right now. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. All right. Uh, so that was a blast. Uh, thank you so much for joining. Um, I hope we covered some interesting things. I, does anyone have any like final thoughts, last words? No, thank you guys for putting this all together. It was really exciting. I had a lot of fun chatting with you all. And uh, hopefully we do something similar next year. I agree. This has been a fun, you know, official inaugural um, episode of the entire network. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was really fun. I was glad to be able to finally talk to all of you guys, or at least at once. I already talked to Eman before. But. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much, and I'll talk with you later. Y'all have a good one. Take care, guys. And that's the show, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Swift Coders podcast. Feel free to share the show with a friend, leave a review on iTunes, or recommend us on Overcast. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to say hi, contact me on Twitter. Until next time, go swiftly, my friends.